0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to the One Organized Mama podcast. My name is Janelle and I am One Organized Mama. We are on episode number 16. I have to say, I think this is a fun little coincidence, but my birthday is this week on the 16th. So I thought it was kind of neat that we're also doing my 16th podcast episode the same week as my birthday. Anyway, um, last week, I posed a question on my social media. The question was, what are your biggest struggles and challenges with decluttering? And the response was phenomenal. Thank you to everyone who commented and message to me your responses. Um, So basically what I've done is I've gathered all of the information that you guys sent me. I've heard you and I have some solutions for you. So I have um, come up with eight of your biggest struggles and challenges. And for each struggle and challenge, I have a solution for you. These solutions are easy They're ones that I talk about, but sometimes people can't really understand like a system or how to um, apply something in their life until it really becomes personal. So again, I have listened to you guys. I appreciate the feedback and always keep sending me more. So let's get started. The first struggle or challenge that people... um, is where to start a lot of times we walk around our homes or we look throughout different areas of our life and every area of our home or our life feels like it needs some decluttering right and that can be overwhelming so where do you start well my solution to where to start is a pdf that i have um, to help guide you and it's called the 12 month declutter It is available on my website um, for free. It's an easy download. And basically, this just gives you a guideline so that by the end of one year, you've addressed every area or space in your life. Um, You can start anywhere, but the whole point is is to focus on one area a month. So if you've heard me talk in the past about this, um, for instance, uh, I live in a very warm climate I live in Las Vegas, Nevada and um, a garage is not a place that you want to organize or declutter in um, July or August in Las Vegas. so um, so my garage is something my husband and I try to do in the cooler months so for instance February or March is a good time for us to go out and organize our garage um, so the uh, declutter, checklist basically has all different areas, you can customize it. If there's an area that doesn't apply to you, cross it off, add one in that does or makes a little bit more sense to you. But the point of it is to get you to focus on one space per month. If you do that, I promise you, you'll see progress in your life and you'll feel like you're making um, a big stride in your decluttering process. So um, Um, Add it to your daily and weekly planning too. So for instance, if you want to get a good start and you're like, hey, I'm going to start this in March, make sure when you're doing your time management planning, however you do it, whether you follow my time management journal or you just add it in and you make sure you make time for decluttering at least once a week. So for instance, in March, if you're going to start with your master bedroom once a week, I want you to get in there and I want you to make time to focus on decluttering. Decluttering is different than having to um, go out and run and buy bins and everything. I just simply want you to take stuff and donate it or toss it or deal with it. So don't overthink it too much. Decluttering is simply that. It's just getting rid of the stuff that you don't have a use for or space for. Okay the second challenge that I found was where to put everything. I think that stops a lot of people from really getting organized because great, you can declutter it, but then where do you put it? Well, here's an easy trick. Um, I just simply want you to create a zone for every item in your home. This is also called space planning. And so, when you go to put stuff away, it should have a place where it belongs, so a home for every item in your home. I literally have clients that I worked with years and years and years ago, and once in a while I hear from them and they're like, hey, Janelle, I have, I still um follow your advice, a home for every item in my home. So this will really force you to make some decisions, right, especially when it comes to shopping. And I really want you, before you make purchases, to really think, do I have space for this? Am I really going to use this? Because a lot of times, we bring stuff into our home that we don't even use or we don't have space for. Or strangely enough, sometimes we'll bring stuff into our homes that we don't even want. So really ask yourself those tough questions and to make sure that you have a space for every item in your home. So whether it be, um wrapping paper. Make sure that when it comes time to wrap a gift, you know where all of that stuff is and you know where to put it away afterwards. If you um, have like a home office space, everything in there is home office related, however you define that. If it's a kid's homework station or pens, pencils, crayons, staplers, all of that stuff. Um, If you have specific items for home, that's where it goes. But a home for every item in your home. Otherwise, again, you have to make those tough decisions. Does it stay or does it go? Okay, a big one. Number three, a lot of people struggle with this. And they really, really believe that decluttering just simply takes too much time. Or... They feel like they just get into these projects that are super overwhelming and they bite off more than they can chew. And this also leads to this sort of rabbit hole, what I like to call rabbit hole of decluttering. And what is that? It's this. So you've decided you've put on like your sweatpants and your music and you're going to go out there and you're going to declutter whatever space. So then you start going through it and you're doing good. But then you find something that you've been looking for forever. So what do you do? You go to put it away because every item has a place that it belongs in your home. But along that little journey through your home, you're going to hear your phone ding. And so you're going to go over and you're going to look on your phone. And we all know our phones are like the deepest, darkest rabbit holes. I mean, They will suck us in. They are the biggest time wasters. And so when we finally crawl back out of that and get back to reality, we're kind of like, okay, what were we doing? Oh, yeah, we were putting this item away. So we go, we put it away. And then along the way, something else distracts us. Maybe it's like the the clothes on your kid's floor or something. So then you're like, oh, my gosh, let me deal with this real quick. So you start to do that. And as you're dealing with putting your kid's clothes away, you start noticing like, that there are a lot of stuff that they've outgrown, you haven't decluttered or gone through their clothes in a while. So then you start to focus on that and declutter. Meanwhile, the first project that you started is just sitting back there in a big pile. And unless you address it right away, it will continue to just be a big pile. And guess what big piles are famous for? They are famous for attracting clutter. So we all do it where we see stuff and we just throw it and we just toss it because you know what? We don't want to deal with it right now. So we're going to put it in a pile that we'll quote unquote deal with later. That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying this like rabbit hole of getting lost in this. What is my remedy? What is my solution to this? It's something that you've heard me talk about before. It's simple. It's called the timer technique. This is what I want you to do when you are focused on a project. So for instance, let's go to organizing your kids clothes. I want you to simply set a timer. I want you to set the timer anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes. I want you to set out some sorting signs. Again, this is something that you can get on my website for free if you don't find them again, shoot me an email over at oneorganizedmom@gmail.com, at gmail.com or you can just write them out yourself. And these sorting signs are declutter, trash, donate, shred, recycle. Uh, uh, I think I got them all. Okay. So anyway, so you're just going to set them out. So obviously you don't need all of them for every project. But say you're doing your kids clothes, you're going to do keep and donate and you're going to kind of go through their drawers and it's either going to be a keep and then or it's going to be tossed into the donate pile. When that timer dings, I want you to stop. Even if you have one more drawer to do, I want you to stop. I want you to go ahead and focus on your piles. I want you to group the keep items alike. So put the socks together, put the underwear together, put the shirts together, put the pants together. I want you to bag the donations and all that little trash. Cause for some reason kids like to like collect little pieces of trash and stuff in their drawers, or a lot of kids do, or mine do and toss that stuff. Um, bag your donations, have a plan for your donations. Um, and then I want you to put your keep pile away. So put them in drawers, even if they're going in drawers that are still a little bit messy. It's okay. I'm trying to teach you a technique here so that you don't get lost. After you've done that and you've put everything away, if you feel like you can do a few more minutes or if you look at the dresser and say, you know what, probably 10 or 15 more minutes, we'll get this done. Put your timer back on and focus on that one space. The purpose of the timer technique is to keep you focused. There is something that's really strange that happens, and I still do this. Like, if I feel like I'm being timed, it causes the sense of urgency. And so I feel like I have to get it done. Like, let me beat the timer. And I promise you, I have used this on so many clients, and it's so funny. Because they do, they like, they know they're being timed. And so they, they hurry up and they stay focused. And if they hear their phone ding, they ignore it because they're, they're being timed and they have to hurry up. So use a timer technique. Um, again, don't go beyond 20 minutes. Um, if you want to know why I listened to last week's episode, I dive into that a little bit more. But a timer technique and some sorting signs. And let me tell you, if you have a space that you hate to organize, but you know, you only have to do it for 5, 10 or 20 minutes, I promise you, you're much more likely to get it done. And this also takes care of those of you who said that you just have no motivation. I mean, lack of motivation is definitely one of your biggest struggles. This will help you because again, for instance, one of my areas I need to focus on is my paperwork. It's kind of out of control right now. I know that if I only have to deal with it for 20 minutes, I am much more likely to handle it than I have to sit there for hours and hours and deal with, you know, this big, huge pile of paperwork that I have to go through. So use a timer technique. If you feel like decluttering takes too much time or you just don't have the motivation for it. Moving on. Number four, not knowing what to do with sentimental items. This is a big one. We hold on to items because they remind us of people or our past. Um it's as simple as that and we a lot of people struggle. I wouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people struggle with this. Um, I see that my children, my boys are much more sentimental. My daughter (laughs) could care less. Like I'm always begging her like, please, please, those were your first ballet shoes. And can you just hold on to them because they bring me so much joy and, you know, emotion. And it just, I get to reminisce and all of that. Um, So anyway, um, this is a tough one. And the one word I want you to think about when it comes to sentimental items, is the word honor. I want you to honor those items. By honoring, I want you to take them out of dirty, dusty um, cardboard boxes that that have been crushed or flattened or whatever. Let's take the stuff out of it and let's really deal with it and honor it. And again, if this is something you struggle with, use a timer technique for this. So if there's stuff that's really, really emotional for you to go through, for instance, if you've lost a loved one and you need to go through their items, if you know you can only spend or you only have to spend a few minutes of going through their items, using a timer technique will help you kind of get through the process. But again, I want you to think of the word honor. I want you to take it out of bins and boxes I want you to deal with it. And if it is something that you decide you definitely need to keep, I want you to either display it or use it. Now, I know that's probably not going to be um, possible for everything, but I really do want to have you kind of challenge yourself on this because, again, I know it's very difficult. I'll give you a couple of examples Um that I've gone through with clients. I have one client. Her name is Randy. I love Randy. Um, she's actually become a very dear friend, but I've walked her through the process of downsizing her parents' estate over the years and then um, worked with her for years and until her parents passed away. Randy did probably one of the most beautiful jobs I've ever seen Of honoring the sentimental items that came from her parents' home. For instance, her parents, her father was in the military and he was military pilot. Don't quote me. I think it was Korean War. Um, But anyway, he had one of those really awesome leather flight jackets. Well, she kept that. That was definitely something that she wanted to keep. And so she found a very sweet way to display that and a first stole of her mother's in her own closet. So it was very sweet. She just got one of those um, little mannequins um, that she just kind of displayed both of them on. And she had a little dresser. She has kind of a big walk-in closet, but she had a dresser and she displayed those. Um, That was a very beautiful way to display the items. One of the most sweet, precious things that she did was she took all of the letters that her father wrote to his mother, his father, his fiancée, who ended up to be his wife and Randy's mother, and um, had collected all of those letters. And right when you walk in her house, and she has a beautiful glass. Um, it's almost like um, an empty lantern. But anyway, she put the letters in there. So when you walk into her house, you see this big, beautiful glass display and inside of it are all of these letters with the stamps and the address and the beautiful handwriting that um, her parents had saved over the years and again I think that's something that's very touching and it's a wonderful way it's um for instance if she comes across more letters she now has a place where she knows that they belong granted she didn't keep everything um I think especially when it comes to sentimental items like that, it's okay to also ask other people in your life if they would like the items. And so we worked through that process with her and and eventually distributed a lot of her parents' estate to nieces and nephews and sisters and brothers and a lot of different family members. So it was a really, really awesome process to go through. Um, so yeah, so definitely display it. Um, I will say that I do understand that there are sometimes items you just can't display and you do need to keep. I get that. I have another client that I have worked with for years who lost two very, very close family members in a very short amount of time. And so um, the the if she were to come across or see a lot of the items, it did cause a lot of pain. So what we did when we worked with her is that we just gathered the items and we put them in a lovely bin and on the bin it simply says special keepsakes and she knows that's sort of the key, the code word that we use for those items from the two dear people that passed away in, in her life and we put all of the items in special keepsakes and then we placed the bin in a place where she knew where it is but she wasn't going to run across it on a regular basis. So it was kind of like up high in the back. And if ever there's a time where she needs to spend some time going through those items, she will forever know where it's at. So it gives her comfort to know that the items are safe and they're put away, but it's not anything that she has to go through and see. Because we all know there are those items that... um, are hard, they're painful. And, um, but again, this is a way to honor those items. Another way to honor items is to use the items. I've been blessed to um, inherit a few items throughout the years from different family members. And whether it be like a small little candy, um, or like a crystal um, container that can be pulled candy at the holidays, or uh, I once had a client who um, had these beautiful aluminum trays that her grandmother had, and no one in the family wanted them, and she didn't want to just donate them, and I just thought they were really neat, and even though I wasn't a family member, I took the trays because I thought they were pretty cool for when you do summer barbecues and stuff to display stuff, so I took those, and I use them, and I promised her I would always use them because I know that is important. Um, It's important for people to know that the stories and the legacies are passed on. So again, when it comes to sentimental items, get creative and try to honor them. On a side note, that's very related. I did want to address sentimentality in kids. Okay, I'm going to get real here. So I have three kids. My oldest is 24. Mamas, I promise you the macaroni crackles and falls off the the paper. The construction paper over the years will fade. Their little handwriting and scribbles will fade. So now that I have um, my two younger kids, um, I've been a mom for a, a lot of years. Um, I've gotten a lot more picky about what I'm keeping for my kids. Um, so I know that when they bring that stuff home, especially when they're tiny and they're first learning how to write their names. It's hard. It's hard when their little hands have touched and created those masterpieces. But let me tell you, it is okay to let some of that stuff go. You really do need to be kind of picky and, you know, decide what's really going to matter down the road and stuff. And I've noticed too, um, the older they get, they don't care (laughs) about that stuff as much as you do but keep a few pieces. Um, A a nice little option that's readily available now is to just snap a photo with your your phone and then you can make a photo book. And uh, I've seen a lot of really wonderful creative things like that. But I know this is something that 100% I have struggled with over the years. And I've seen a lot of clients struggle with is it's so hard to get rid of your kids' stuff, so I get it. Um, one note on that real quick, one final note, is make sure you put their name and the date somewhere on that because, again, even though my kids have a really large age spread, there are times where I am I will look at it and I have no idea whose handwriting this is. Like at the time I saved it, I thought, oh, for sure, this is Megan's. No, I won't remember. I will have no idea who wrote this they're not going to remember. And normally they don't really care. They're like, why are you keeping it? So make sure that you kind of label who wrote it or who made it and always put a little bit of a date on it. So, okay. Number five, you might need it in the future. Okay. Got it. I run into this with clients all the time. Sometimes I get a little bit of a little tough with them. And so do my team of organizers, because we're like, really, you don't need like seven pairs of scissors. I know you're going to like, you know, need them for every part of the house and not be able to find them. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. So if you struggle with this, you need to define what quote unquote future is. You cannot just have this indefinite time span of I might use this when you need to define what your future is. How do you do that? Simple. It's called the um, sticker or tape technique. I've I've bounced between the both, but basically, it's a use by date. So you know how like we have expiration dates in our food and toiletries and cosmetics. Do the same thing with other items in your life that you think I might need this in the future. Define the future. For instance. If it's something that you think you're going to use at the holiday time, well, define the holiday, look that holiday up on your calendar, If you know, unless you know it off the top of your head, put a use by, so use by December 25th, and if you don't use it, then you know you probably don't need it. It's probably okay for it to go. So don't keep stuff indefinitely, just in case. For the most part... Most of us can afford to go buy it again if we need it in the future. So again, no one really needs like 18 spatulas, seven pairs of scissors. Um, If you define where everything in your home belongs, you'll be able to find it and you won't have to run out and buy it again in the future. All right, to sell or not to sell, that is the question for number six. My opinion don't waste your time selling. Um, I know a lot of Facebook groups are you know um, focused on selling. I actually have one that I run for um a big one that I run for uh <laughs> locally here for um, my former employer who's also my husband's current employer and it has over four thousand members and If you ever think you want to Admin a Facebook group to buy and have people buy and sell stuff. Just take a few days to think about it because it is quite the headache sometimes. But to sell or not to sell, number one, everyone thinks that their stuff is worth whatever. I crack up at this Facebook site because someone will sell something like from Target and they'll give you like a 10% discount. I'm like, why would I buy it used? when I can just go to Target, you know, and get it myself. But whatever. People drive me nuts. I actually refuse to sell stuff um, at all. I can't stand the back and forth negotiating. One time I sold my um, son's uniform shirts for $2 a piece. And the amount of questions people had and wanting photos, could they get a photo of the back? Could they see it an on my son? I'm like, no, oh my gosh, it's $2. I felt like I was doing a favor for you. Come and pick it up at my house. And, you know, I'm saving you some money here. But no, people drive me nuts with this. And, but if this is your thing, and I have a lot of friends and family that love to sell online, more power to you. It is not something I recommend that my clients do. In fact, in my sorting signs, I do have a sell sign. And sometimes I hide that away because what a sell or what happens for a lot of people who sell is that just becomes more clutter and junk. You put it away in a room or in your garage or somewhere and you forget about it and you never deal with it. So don't sell stuff unless you really have a great system. And I have some friends that have a wonderful, wonderful system down for selling. Unless you are them, don't bother. Okay, Um, one thing on this, I will say I am big into donating. Two notes on donating. Number one, for some reason, because everything is controversial these days, it doesn't matter. I mean, I know that there's always controversy around some of these charities, but here's the thing. If you're donating to a charity, they're probably creating some jobs. So for me personally, I don't really care if they're for-profit or non-profit because that doesn't really matter. They're all businesses. A nonprofit business does not mean it's automatically better than a for-profit business. Sorry, my personal opinion, just have to throw it out there. I love people who create jobs and a lot of these charities create jobs and then do wonderful things with the items or the proceeds from when they sell them. So don't overthink this, don't get so caught up in you know so much of the drama and a lot of times inaccurate information that you hear or read about charities. But if you really, really, really want to make sure the items that you're donating are going to a good cause or the people that you really want to, get creative. Post on social media what you're trying to get rid of And I promise you, if you post enough and have people share you'll find a needy family that could use the items or a a wonderful charity. For instance, a lot of times animal charities get overlooked. So if you have like blankets or towels um, that that another charity wouldn't take, a lot of times the animal charities are always looking for blankets and towels and stuff like that for their animals. Um, Same thing with um, magazines and newspapers. Those are great. Um, I have a real estate client, they, um, uh, have a lot of furniture that they do need to donate. And instead of having it taken to the landfill, we've gotten really creative and we actually found a wonderful group of people who are collecting donations for, um, eight families that were displaced in an apartment fire last week. So, um, we've passed along the information to try to connect my clients with, um, this wonderful group of people who are, are trying to, um, collect furniture and items for, um, for, uh, families that, that really truly need it. So get creative, use the power of social media, contact family and friends. It's really not that hard. It's to me actually a lot more easy sometimes to donate stuff than to try to sell it. So, The other thing real quick on this is I know, and I started to say at the beginning, I know that everyone thinks their stuff is worth a ton of money. It's generally not. It's just like with anything, um, the market will tell you what it's worth. So even though you spent a lot of money on something does not mean you're going to get a good rate of return on that. So just be judicious as far as, um, that don't let it take up too much of your time because time, again, is the most important resource that you have. Okay, we're on to our last two. Number seven, junk drawers. Don't do it. Do not do junk drawers because junk drawers turn into two junk drawers, turn into junk cabinets that eventually and sometimes will turn into a junk room. I've seen it. I've gone into a lot of homes where people have taken an entire room of their house, usually it's a garage, but sometimes it's like a guest bedroom or quote unquote craft room, and they have junked it out with the stuff. Again, you should have no space in your home that you call quote unquote junk anything. I'm, I don't, my house is not perfect. My house is not pristinely clean all the time. I refuse to have a junk drawer. La- or uh, uh, decide what is in that drawer and then define your space. For instance, in my laundry room, I have a drawer. A lot of people probably would make that quote unquote their junk drawer. What I've done is I've just put in um, drawer, de- uh, the little drawer organizers and I everything has a little space. So for instance, there's a measuring tape and there's like um, matches and lighters little, um, things that you have to fix your house. I never know. Like when my husband's like, have you seen that little thing? I'm like, go look at the drawer in the laundry room. It's probably in there. So, um, all of those little things that would quote unquote be in a junk drawer. Don't do it. A great way to remedy a junk drawer is to simply use a drawer divider, measure your drawer, go to Walmart, Target, container store, shop online at Amazon, wherever, you like to buy your organization project or products, and purchase um, drawer dividers that'll work for you. And then everything has a little space because, again, the purpose is to um, make sure every item in your home has a space that it belongs. On this note, do you know how you get a junk drawer or junk room? There and and. There are a lot of people out there and they're promoting this, which drives me nuts. And I've had people in my life like, oh, you should tell your clients to do this. And I'm like, no, I never, ever would. But for instance, if you have people coming over, take all of the clutter in your home and put it in a laundry basket and put it away. Well, that's a very short-term solution and will become a very long-term problem if you don't remedy it quickly. So no, I would never, ever, ever advise any of my clients or any of my listeners to do this. You, when you have people coming over, put your stuff away where it belongs. If it doesn't have a home, create a temporary home and slap a label on it that you need to find it a, a more permanent home when you have time to focus on your house. But do not grab your laundry basket And then walk around your house and put all the junk on in it and put it away. Because for 99.9999% of us, we are not going to deal with that, right? We're not going to go back and like, okay, now let me deal with my laundry basket. We're going to be in a panic when we can't find stuff. We're going to spend more money because we need to go find it. We don't want to deal with it. So that stuff eventually gets shoved into quote unquote junk drawers and junk cabinets and junk closets. And it's a very, very ineffective way to, um, tidy up your home. So just don't do it. That's a lot of times how it, when people just don't know where an item goes, they say throw it in the quote unquote junk, whatever. So don't do it. Okay. Rounding out everything, All of the feedback that I got from you guys, one thing kept coming back to me over and over, and it's definitely something I struggle with as well. The eighth and final challenge to decluttering is paperwork. I hear you out there. I gotcha. Let's address it really quickly. I have a system that I teach for paperwork in the month of March, my focus is going to be on paperwork. So make sure you tune in if paperwork is really your struggle. But here are some tips for you to implement in the meantime. Number one, get and create a drop zone. This is simply a bin or a basket, however much paperwork you have kind of depends the size of the container. But basically, um, for me, it's like um, a basket that you know, something that you would put on your desk. That is where all of the paperwork in your home is collected. So if you're looking for something, you know it's in your drop zone. When you're tidying up, it all of your paperwork has a space and a place where it belongs. Once a week, so when you're doing your weekly planning and you're managing your time, I want you to schedule yourself to go through your drop zone. This is where I want you to shred and recycle and trash, So if you um, want to create little signs, sorting signs for yourself, and then you're going to put keep. So so again, don't spend a lot of time. Just if you need to use a timer, that's great. Or if you can just get through the um, entire drop zone in one fell swoop, awesome. But you're going to go through and you're going to um, toss the stuff that needs to be tossed. And then you're going to deal with your keep. Paperwork falls in one of two categories either active or archive. Active, you have to think about something that you have to do something. So I always say like time frame, like if this is something you need to do in less than 30 days, it's active. If it's something that you need as a reference or resource down the road, it's archive. For instance, right now my husband and I are gathering everything for our taxes and we're focusing on doing our um, all of that. So that goes in our active because that's something that's coming up soon. Um, anything that we're collecting f- to do our taxes for 2020 is going to be archived because that's stuff that we don't need to do our 2019 taxes. So if that kind of gives you an idea of how to break this down. Active, where do you put it? I like a binder. I just like a simple binder system with page protectors. Um, And this is just something because I like the page protectors. I can throw stuff in. I can put some dividers in. um, And so all of my active stuff, so when it gets time to go to the tax guy, I know everything is in my binder. So I can just take it out, throw it in an envelope, and take it down to my tax person. Um, Again, um, anything that's long-term and it's archive, I feel like needs to be in a filing system. So I'll be teaching you guys about how I color code my filing system in March. But uh, for instance, my tax stuff for 2020, the stuff I'm collecting now, is going to go into green. It's So I have a set of green folders. Can you guess why green? Green reminds you of money. So anything money or financial related goes into my green file system. So I won't get into this too deeply. Um, if you have questions about it, feel free as always shoot me, um, a message on Instagram or Facebook, shoot me an email, one at gmail.com. And I can, um, I actually have a guide that I can, um, that I have available on my website too. So, Anyway, paperwork, it can be done. I have a very simple system, and then I'll teach you how to maintain that system in March. So stay tuned. So again, I just want to thank you guys for your participation in helping me create this episode. I hope I gave you some easy to follow tips and tricks on how to overcome your decluttering challenges. Um, keep the questions coming. And thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share this podcast with someone that it could help. And I will see you guys next week.